0: Welcome back to the JoinTheTrades.com interview series, where we talk to tradespeople and learn more about successful career paths straight from the source. Today, our guest is Nicholas Leiden, an electrician with 23 years of experience in the trade. Nicholas, how'd you get started? I got started back in
1: 1999 when I went to Southeastern Regional Vocational High School um, and picked electrical as my elective. Uh, the, I can't say enough good things about the trade schools. I was able to work and go to school at the same time, so I was one of the rare friends that actually had money through high school, um, <laughs> and that was good and bad. I found that I had even more friends when I had money, yeah. especially in high school. Um, and then the, the nice part is you kind of you graduate with a job, and you are already out the door and working, making an income. Uh, From there, kind of kicked around for a few years through my apprenticeship, which is four years in Massachusetts where I originally got my license. Um, Ended up getting my license and stuck with the trade. Um, So go ahead. Yeah. Quick
2: question for you. The vocational high school um, I've I've. Never actually seen one in real life, but can you talk to me through? Because I think that this is becoming a bit more popular—is not the right word—but I have seen uh, uh, more information on these, and I, I know that there are more um, that are being formed and created. And so, for those who have never seen or heard of a vocational high school, can you walk us through that? What year does that start in? How does how do you decide uh, to attend? What did that look like?
1: Yeah, so. I grew up in Norton, um, and the way that it worked was we were able to go our eighth grade year to go and see the high school and decide if that's where we wanted to apply to. So it was, I don't want to say it was like a college, but it was almost like a college where like in yeah. eighth grade, you you got to decide if you wanted to go there and then go visit the school. Your freshman year, at least at Southeastern Regional, was you picked eight shops and you got to go to two-week exploratories in all of them throughout the the, uh, school year. And then you had to pick one as the one you wanted to take. Um, You start your freshman year, you go through all of your exploratories, and then really you start in your field your sophomore year. Um, The nice thing is though, it's every school is a little bit different for vocationals, but at least there it was two weeks on and two weeks off. So you went to regular classes, like all your electives, your English, science, Mm -hmm. math, for two weeks, and then for two weeks you would go to trade class. And if your trade has like code and stuff involved, we did code classes in it. Um, The the really nice thing is as long as you are employed your senior year, you actually get to go out on early work release. So Mm -hmm. I got to actually technically graduate my high school earlier than most people. And basically that just means I got to go to work.
0: Right. That's... Yeah. Responsibilities.
1: Bam.
2: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Out of the gate. That, but that's amazing. So, right away, did
1: you join the union? Uh, I did not. I actually did about 18 years outside of the union. Um, and then I've done the last just about six years inside uh, the IBW. Okay. And just let's, for
2: those who've never heard IBEW ever in their life, can you talk us through your decision to join up with these guys and what that's been like?
1: Yes. Um, so really what it came down to is I hit my 30s and didn't really have any plans for what happened when I hit my 60s. Ah. Um, and with two kids that were really young at the time, I really started to evaluate what was my exit strategy because mm-hmm. the trades are hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't do them till you're 80 years old. Uh, so the one thing that really drove me to the union was a real plan with a retirement and pension to retire. Like Mm -hmm. the end goal is to get you out of work while you still have a body to get out of work with. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was was really the the big driving force was, it was the first time that I had actually approached a job and been told, here's how we want you to not ever do this job again in the end. (laughs) It was a different strategy that way. That makes sense.
0: Okay, so so joining the union then has, for you has been uh, in the long run, in retrospect, a, a positive. You, you feel like that was the right choice and it has, has been a been a boon for you in general.
1: Oh, 100%. Um, I mean, on top of the benefits that come along with, I'd say 99% of the union jobs that are out there, um, health, the healthcare that I've had in my local is great um, It's and it's all provided to you by the contractor. Uh, the retirement is provided to you by the contractor. So, I mean, it's really a hand-in-hand relationship with the contractors. They're paying in and investing in you for healthcare, for retirement. Um, in return, you're just doing the job that you were doing anyway outside of the union. Nothing really changes as far as that goes, but your opportunities in the union are, are a lot greater. Um, I mean, working in nuclear power plants to wiring houses, there's there's almost nothing that the Union doesn't touch. Um, So you're, you're really exposed to opportunities and career paths that that just weren't there for you before just working for a standard commercial electricians
0: outfit. Cool. Cool. So then, let's drop back to where we were a little bit ago. Um, you were talking about the the schooling that you went to, and that you the, it sounds like a really cool program. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. where you're kind of exposed to all these different uh, fields, and you get to kind of choose, like, hey, this seems to work for me, or I, or I have a natural interest in this. Um, did you always have an interest that you that in electricity per se when you were younger that you wanted to go into it, or was it just that you stumbled across the class? Um. And just really, really liked it, found that it suited your needs?
1: Yeah. um, So the decision to become an electrician kind of came later, and I don't want to step on any toes or anything. This is not a shot across the bow. But my father was a Mason, and laboring for him when I was 15 was how I figured out I don't want to be a Mason. Uh, (laughs) And that was was when I went to the Vogue at about the same time, and it really kind of intrigued me that – Electrical work used a lot of your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, it is physically demanding work, but you can do things that are down to programmable load centers where you're literally just programming um, the the process that a conveyor will go through. Or you can do fire alarm where you're literally just programming, here's how this is going to work. And when this happens, it's going to trigger this. And then this thing will happen. So um, the the range in what you could do was so vast that there was no way we were going to cover it all in school, Mm -hmm. but just them showing me like how many different fields and opportunities are associated with the electrical trade. That was what really drove me towards it is because it was the one place where if I landed someplace and I didn't like the work I was doing, there was always another avenue that I could take.
0: Okay. that Yeah. That makes sense, right? I mean, you were, you're were you intuitive enough with that information to know like, okay, if I get bored with this, or if this is not for me, there's enough opportunities in this field that I can try something else, try another avenue. And I, I assume they all pay pretty well. Yes. The
2: skills just transfer into... It's what I've, I've always been uh, a little bit envious of my husband's role because he's in a similar but different... He's in law enforcement, federal law enforcement. And for him, if he gets tired of one squad... He can just stay in law enforcement and go to a different squad and have a have a completely different role, completely different requirements from a um, intellectual and physical capacity, and just it's, it's like a whole new job. But he never actually left what it is that he does. And for me, I, I, I work in a more of an office environment. Uh, you've got the track you're on, and you can hope that the company that you're with has some other career paths that you might be able to pursue. But if not, then the only other option is to. You know jump ship (laughs) and hope that you land on your feet somewhere so that's that is nice to hear
1: Uh, yeah it's it's very similar to like you had just said um like if you if you start your career and you're wiring houses and you know you get your license you're not super sold on it you can take that skill set and go and do something else and you're not going to be able to immediately like you can't just go from wiring houses to then going and wiring and programming fire alarm panels but the the basic knowledge is there, so you can kind of jump right into that other path and go. All right, well, I know enough to be able to go and figure this out.
2: Yep, yep. Just need to learn a couple, of, uh, some extra on top of what I already know, and now I've got a whole new uh, career ahead of me. Yep.
0: All right, so you jumped out of high school and directly into work, right? Uh, directly into a full time career, forty hours a week, I imagine.
1: Yes, for better or for worse.
0: <laughs> yeah. there, there was and, no gap there. And how did you feel uh, the pay was for for yourself at that point? I mean, you know, you're you're a young person coming into a, a full time salary. I imagine that's that's pretty great.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was ninety, well, really two thousand when I first got um, employed as a first year apprentice. But even back then, it started at ten bucks an hour. So even back in two thousand, it started at above minimum wage. Um, so it really wasn't a bad starting point and you pretty quickly progress up the ladder. It is a four-year apprenticeship, um, which seems long when you're doing it, but then when you're actually done with it and you get your license, you realize it, it really wasn't that bad.
0: Now, did they appoint you an, a, a, you were an apprentice to, uh, to a mentor, obviously, right? Is that something that you, you appoint, you get appointed or you just actually stumble into it and find someone who's, who's going to match up with you well?
1: Yeah. So when I first started, I was doing commercial work. Um, So it was doing a lot of um, like we built a couple of Lowe's, Walmarts, that type of work. Um, Typically per job, you would pretty much get paired up with one journeyman that you were working under. Um, And it might change on the day to day. But uh, for the most part, if you got paired up as an apprentice with a journeyman that was doing like their own section of the building for lighting, power, stuff like that, you'd you'd stick with them through the rest of that job. And usually it would probably for the better your next job, it would change who you were under. So you're getting a little bit more of a a more well-rounded background and a couple of different ways and ideas of doing things.
0: Cool.
2: I need to elaborate on this. And and I, I hear Cruz question and uh, it makes me think back on whenever I first learned about apprenticeships. Now, today I run an apprenticeship program for commercial HVAC. So I'm very, very familiar with them. But before, if you weren't raised in the trades and for anybody who's listening to this, you hear apprenticeship and you think Merlin, right? You think like <laughs> the, you're thinking King Arthur and the magician, magician's, you know, apprentice, all this kind of stuff. You're like, wow, the apprenticeships still exist. There, You'd be surprised a number of people. And I, and I get this response on TikTok as well. The number of people who don't realize that apprenticeships are absolutely still a thing, and so the way they work uh, is that there is an uh, educational curriculum. There's an educational component that you have to complete. And tell me if it's different in your world, but um, uh, but on top of that, it's on the job learning because in the trades you cannot learn a trade by book learning alone. Like you have to put your hands on the materials. You have to learn it on the job, or you're never going to learn a skill. Uh, so it's a it's a it's a uh, on the job model of learning a career that is still structured uh like a um uh, an educational curriculum the -the on-the-job part can get a little bit loose as far as what how how much time you're supposed to spend on this versus that but you are working underneath or with a an experienced technician or an experienced journeyman uh for the -the on-the-job component of it and then you have the school component which is completely separate so, I, and I'm not teasing you, crew, because I, I didn't know either. And I have—I'm not the first one who came up with the the note that it's—we think about Merlin and the uh, that kind of an apprentice. Uh, I'm just—I'm copying somebody else on that one, so it's not just me. So gotcha. it, it is
1: similar. Um, okay. So to to put it in terms of when I did it in the non-union side, that's where okay. I went through my apprenticeship. Um, I paid for and went to classes on my own, which were kind of rudimentary, just like, they they call them code classes for a reason. You're literally Mm -hmm. just there learning code. um, And then you go and work at your company that you're working for during the day. Um, The model that the union has with the JATC program, which is our training center for our Mm -hmm. apprentices, is a much different approach. The way that they tackle things is you're not just learning code. You are learning the the fundamentals of what electricity is, mm-hmm. what it does, how it interacts with the world around you, and how you can use it to accomplish what you're trying to out in the field so that you actually understand the principles of what you're doing. And the nice thing with the unions is it it's all paid for by the contractors. They mm-hmm. they pay a certain amount per, per person that's out there working, and uh, that all goes to fund the training center. and it's, it's a much better approach because you're not just getting the bare bones, here's what code is, here's how you can pass an inspection. You're actually getting, here's what this relay does, and here's why it does it. Um, and that, that does kind of cater a little bit better towards making you, right out of the gate, a more well-rounded electrician. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I even started learning some stuff uh, that I had never learned from getting involved a little bit in the union and the apprentices that we have that are going to school here.
2: And each year, is it the same for you, that each year that you progress in your apprenticeship, so you're a year one apprentice, year two apprentice, year three, each year there are um, standardized kind of pay raises that you're guaranteed. As you pass into the next level, you're guaranteed a pay raise that goes with that next level. And then once you finish your apprenticeship program, that's when you can sit for your journeyman's test and become a journeyman, and now you are the 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 apprentice has become the master yes (laughs) yes
1: yes yeah exactly like you said so it's a step process it's it's hours based so like once you hit two thousand hours you'll get this raise twenty five hundred three thousand hours and then all the way up to getting your license and that that's your final step and then you're you are the wizard you can go and do exactly you're merlin at this point I really like comparing it to a wizard
2: because you are working with, especially in your trade, you're working with things that you can't see. And to me, look, we we can stop comparing it to wizardry. That's fine. But but if any trade was- Nicholas,
0: let me, let me interject for a second. <laughs> our, our last interview was about uh, marine transportation. And of course, Nicky uh, was utterly convinced that he was a pirate. And now
2: <laughs> you're Listen. being
0: related to uh, to Mickey Mouse in uh, not Mickey Mouse in, in, in the in the apprentice. Do you rather so. you call
2: a wizard or a pirate? <laughs> I,
1: I'll, I'll take wizard. I, okay. I'm a, bit of a fantasy nerd, so I, I'm okay with that. All right, okay,
0: then. <laughs> all right. She she's just got we just got to break it down as simple as possible and let her oh. be excited about about it, all the details.
1: That's right. That's right. It, OK, and, man, to touch on that, too, that that is a good point. It, it is it does make it a tough trade because it it's like being a vet. Almost the yeah. animal can't tell you what's wrong with it. This thing can't tell you what's wrong with it either. It's electricity almost reacts like a living thing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but you can't just ask it what's going on. So you, you really need to understand what it is you're dealing with so that you know
0: how to address the problems that are coming
1: to you.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love the idea that uh, when you, even at even at the point where you've been in the field for so long, that once you even were with the union, you started to realize like, oh, I'm actually learning a little bit more. My, you know, my base is, is so much more functional now that I've even learned this. And there's something to be said always about not only just learning necessarily basic facts like that, you know, can... Be given to you, but understanding on a whole how they actually make everything work, and and I think there's uh, at least certainly for me when when I'm given information on on a much deeper scale, I understand the build of everything, and it and it does help me become better at, at what I'm doing. I like to
1: put it to the apprentices that I work with that. When I started in the trade, we were putting in fluorescent lights like it was the new thing that was never going to be replaced. And now we're ripping all of those fluorescent lights out and putting in LEDs. So the trade doesn't take that long to just completely change on you. Same principles, same thing you're doing, but the the technology is always evolving. So you're always learning in the electrical field.
0: Cool. 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 All right. Well, let's talk about what a day in the life would be for someone who's who's getting started. We can we can actually go back to when you're an apprentice first. And then if you want to talk about being a journeyman, what the day is like now, that'd be great. Sure. I mean, as an apprentice, um, especially
1: as a first year, uh, you step foot on the job, you're going to be doing a lot of reacting and listening. Um, you're basically going to be looking to your journeyman that you're working with as a lead for What are we trying to accomplish today? What tools do you need me to go and get? Learning the stock so that you know, essentially what you're trying to do each day as an apprentice is try to get better about figuring out what you'll need next so that you can stay one one step ahead of the the journeyman. That way, eventually, it's an easy transition to being a journeyman because you've just been one step ahead of your journeyman the whole time. Now you're just doing it yourself. Um, So that's really like what you're building towards as an apprentice. And then as a journeyman, your job now becomes, you've got to map the work out yourself. So you might get a set of drawings that says, we're trying to put this panel over here, but in a building that already exists, you might have to map out what path are we taking with the conduit to get over there? Um, How do we get through this block wall? Where can we get through this? Are we going to have to... Kind of change this up a little bit as we get over here, and now you're relaying that information to an apprentice that's helping you. So really, you just—I say it's a seamless transition. It's like a, a multi-year process, obviously, but it's that's essentially what you're doing. Is just you—you start off listening, you start trying to just build it so that you're a step ahead of your journeyman, and then all of a sudden you're a journeyman. And trust me, when you get there, you're—you're you're the smartest person on earth for like your first couple days. And then you realize that a lot of information was held back because you didn't need it when you were an apprentice. And then you're relearning all over again.
0: Gotcha. Nikki, did you want to make a comment about uh, Lion King and the circle of life here? No, that no, it's all comes- I don't. Oh, okay.
2: Thank you for just that. There. I think I like, I like the whimsical. Thank you. Uh, no, what kind of tasks can someone expect to be doing uh, as an electrician? What just some ideas of what a day in the life looks like from a task standpoint. I know we already talked about the the varied kind of paths that you can take. So it may look wildly different depending on what it is that
1: you are working on. But can you give us kind of an overview or a, a high level? Sure. I mean, on your, on your standard commercial or industrial job, mm-hmm. um, pretty much every job that I've ever been on first thing in the morning, you meet up at the gang box. Um, the foreman or the general foreman on the job is going to give out tasks to each person. I mean, a lot of times, it, once you've been on a job for a little while, you kind of know what you're doing the next day anyway, because you're continuing on with what you didn't finish. Um, but typically, start off in the morning, everyone gets their assignments. Um, you figure out who you're partnered up with for the day, or if you're partnered up with anyone for the day, and then kind of, kind of break out. Um, it's It's a very... It's a very standalone trade. Um, You will be working with other people, but say on a job site that has 80 or 90 people, you're going to be working in groups of like two to three, or sometimes even by yourself, depending upon what you're doing that day. Uh, So, yes, a day in the life of gets a little bit trickier when you go from. From one, like, just industrial to, say, working on a solar field or working on a wind farm or something like that, but pretty much every day starts and ends about the same at the gang box, regrouping, figuring out what everyone did or didn't get done that day, and then figuring out how you're going to attack the next day.
0: How do you like that aspect of it that you have that, I mean, on some level, sometimes just that independency is, is that a nice thing to know? Like, all right, I'm just going to do this thing. I kind of get to do my, in my own space for a while, you know, and just concentrate on my own, my own job. Is that a, is that a pro for you? Is it something you enjoy?
1: Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely an amount of freedom that you get, um, in the trade and it's, it's it's good to be in the group of people like that's the naive even on a job like i said with 90 people like you could be on a job with 90 people so you've got all your friends you've got your people that you eat break with that you eat lunch with but then to go and work you kind of just get to find your own place and really take agency over just what you're doing um which is kind of a nice feeling to not be in such a large group doing that um and then like I said, there's other job sites like on solar fields where everyone will pretty much be in the same spot, just loading up panels or building racking. So then you're in a group of 15 to 20 people that are just working one whole section of the field. So it, it really depends on what type of job you're on.
0: Okay. So there's some aspects of the autonomy that are nice. And of course, then sometimes the camaraderie itself is, is a positive, huh? Yes. Okay. Well, what are, what are some of the other pros and cons? Um, again, depending
1: upon where you are, I've done a decent amount of solar uh, in the last couple of years, and obviously, some of the cons of that are it's outside. So, in the union, we are classified as inside wiremen. Don't be confused by that. Sometimes we <laughs> will wind up outside. Um, it, it's, it's nice with the variety of electrical, though, because not only are you not really getting bored because you can go from one thing to the other. Uh, so I guess a pro to electrical is nothing really ever gets stale because if you're ever kind of just getting bored with something, there's another aspect. So, and this goes even onto like a single job site. Like if you're getting tired of doing lighting, um, well, there's fire alarm or security or there's tell data or there's distribution, which is like the panels and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that you're wiring and pulling everything too. So it, it kind of gives you a good mix of stuff to do. So you never really get stuck on just one thing and get too bored with it. Um, You can really find a good variety and keep things fresh for a while, which is good if it's something that you're going to be doing for 30, 40 years. Hmm. And what
2: about some other cons
1: just to keep Um, it there? I mean, it is, it's a trade. I, I, I haven't seen all of the other interviews, but I would, be surprised if most of them didn't mention that it's it's going to be tough on your body. Um, electrical, not as tough on you as some of the other trades. Um, like I said, I've come from a family of Masons, so I've seen what some of the other trades can can do to you. And the, the wear and tear is very real on you. Uh, but, like, if you're doing industrial and you're doing, like, four-inch rigid and stuff, they're... Oh God, I don't know what the actual weight is, but I want to say they're like 110 pounds a stick of pipe. So, yeah, a couple of weeks of slinging that up onto lifts and up onto racking, and you're going to be sore. It's it's going to be it's going to be a tough day working solar and stuff. Um, you're outside in the sun. You're outside in the snow. You're outside in the ice. Uh, so you're exposed to the elements at all times. Um, can get real tough trying to balance, like keeping your fingers warm and keeping moving. Mm-hmm. So there, there's definitely some cons as far as that goes. And what about the safety aspect of it? You- the safety aspect, I can say that I got, I, I've been really lucky in 23 years in the trade. Um, I've been involved with fairly safe companies the whole time. I will say that in the union, safety is paramount. Um, it's, it's definitely the emphasis, not just from the union itself, the contractors are also really good about making sure that the job sites and stuff are safe. And that is, that is not easy when you have some job sites that have a couple of a hundred just electricians on it, let alone the other trades that are working around you. Um, so, I mean, safety is something that I would I would remind anyone that's looking to get into any trade that safety is always your responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, Even as an apprentice, don't ever hesitate to question whether something is safe or not, because we're all just human beings. Uh, Mm -hmm. We we forget things and it, it happens. It's it's your job to be the the keeper of the person that's beside you to make sure that everyone goes home at the end of the day.
2: One of the linemen that we uh, interviewed had a very similar kind of uh, thought on it. And he was just like, look, it's not an unsafe job because it is such an unsafe product that safety ends up being the number one priority all day, every day, long, every day. And everyone's got each other's back. Everyone's got their own back, for sure, because it's their own uh, you know, life at stake. And he said, the reality is because it is such a inherently dangerous product that you're working with the safety measures are such that you're 100% safe all the time. As long as you follow those protocols, then you are perfectly fine is what he said. I'm, par- I'm paraphrasing.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, I yeah. mean, from the electrical standpoint, I mean, I guess, I guess you could consider this one of the cons is when you get hit by electricity, there will be no warning. It's not yeah. going to give you a little buzzer that says you're getting too close right um, which is why we've come a very long way with live work not really being a thing anymore and when when linemen and stuff like that do have to do live work we've now got better gear and equipment to make sure that yeah. they're protected from the dangers but it it is an invisible force
2: mm-hmm.
1: that can strike you at any time if you let your guard down even a tiny little bit mm-hmm. um, and when you do something for 23 years it does get tough to make mm-hmm. sure that you're focused on safety every day which is why you know, it's it's real important to look out for the people around you, so that they're looking out for you too. Right.
0: right, right. Yeah, that's interesting to think that, like uh, you mentioned, that it's so important for everyone to just be on the ball and help each other out. It's very easy, even for the journeyman to uh, to mm-hmm. forget a little something here or there, and you know, an apprentice can can speak up and really make a difference in a case like that.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent.
0: All right. Well, um, for anyone who's watching, what kind of personality traits do you think are are useful to have to get into this trade?
1: As much as you can be working by yourself, definitely being good with communication and being able to work well with other people, because yes, you will find that the groups get broken down into smaller little groups, but we're all building small parts of the same thing. It's, It's essentially a jigsaw puzzle. Everyone has a single piece that has to go in somewhere, but if you're not coordinating with everyone around you, then it's pretty easy for the puzzle never to go together right. Um, So being strong with communication skills is, in my opinion, one of the biggest things. It ties into organization, safety, everything. As long as you're communicating very well what you're doing, um, it's, it's a lot harder to find yourself in trouble um being you know being unafraid to try new things too because there's there's so many aspects to electrical that you can do that never be afraid to try something new because you never know when you're going to stumble into something that you would said I I got no interest in that I'm never going to do it and then all of a sudden one day you agree like all right i'll go try fire alarm and then you wind up finding that you have a knack for it and Mm -hmm. uh it becomes the thing that you do and get pigeonholed into for 10 years which is what happened to me (laughs) so i i didn't really say this sounds personal (laughs) yeah i i just kind of on one job agreed and then i was like hey you know this is this is small wires people leave me alone this is pretty good i like this (laughs)
0: That's why uh Nicholas, I, I try and Nicole can attest to this, I try to be good at nothing. Cause no one's expecting <laughs> me. Overall I'll try to fail at everything I do, and then I'm clear. I don't have I don't get pigeonholed. Um, hey, I have nothing a question for, you, for you, about,
2: crew. <laughs>
1: you. You'd be a great apprentice. Everyone would love you. <laughs>
0: so nicholas when you're uh you brought something up and you're talking about working together in communication when you're on if you're let's say you're on a commercial project you're on a commercial job and there's lots of other people doing other other things at the same time does it get split up like okay for this amount of time for this amount of months only the electrical team here is here or is the electrical treat electrical team sometimes working with the concrete layers and the brick you know or and do you guys have to work closely together? And how does that work as far as a hierarchy goes? So typically we are the first ones
1: on the job site and we are the last ones off. Um, Because even when they're pouring uh, forms and stuff like that in the slab, you'll be there doing underground or um, you'll be there doing the the literal grounding for the building that gets tied to the rebar and stuff that's in the structure. And then most of our inspections, fire alarm, final electrical, none of that can be done until you're basically ready to move into the building uh so you will it you know crew size will vary but electricians will be on the job at the very beginning to put temp power in and work with the in slab stuff and then you'll be there at the very end doing punch list and little things to get your final uh inspection on a job
0: uh that's interesting so you're the you're there for the entire through line and and seeing the project Mm -hmm. from beginning to end
1: yeah, because every every trade that shows up that needs power for something, um, floor cutting, anything, they're they're coming to you for that temp power. So you're you're working hand in hand with most of the trades that are on a job site.
2: Yeah, nothing happens without you guys. Um, what about females in this trade? Have you seen an uptick, in, or have you have you worked with very many women electricians?
1: Sadly, I can say that we we don't really have many that are in the trades. We mm-hmm. encourage that a lot, especially. Um, here at my home local, uh, mm-hmm. we just actually had um, a girls program come through that's high school age girls that are looking mm-hmm. at the trades as potential mm-hmm. um, jobs. We're trying to encourage it more and more because there's, there's a need for workers. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're a guy or a girl, we, we need workers. Um, mm-hmm. And there's, there's nothing in the trade that women can't do that men can do. Mm -hmm. Um, it, the trade's wide open. It's, it's not, it's not like it was, I'd say even when I got in now there's, there's more pullers and stuff like that. So even wire pulling and stuff, Mm -hmm. you don't really need brute force anymore. You just need to be smart about the way that you're doing it and the way you're using the tugger to pull the wires in. So Mm -hmm. the the trade is wide open as far as accessibility to different people of different physical skill sets or even, um their ability to grasp uh, like the concepts and stuff, because there's, there's different fields that you can go into.
0: So Nicholas, you were, we were talking about women in the trade. Um, if for anyone, a woman or, or man, who, who may be out there watching this, how would you suggest that someone would get started if they wanted to uh, get the ball rolling? I would encourage anyone who's looking to just look up
1: who their local unions are and reach out to the JATC programs. Typically, uh, every JATC is a little bit different, um, but usually they're starting people in the fall, just like school. Um, So reaching out as early as you can is important. And there's limited spots. If you don't make it into the JATC program, don't get discouraged. Just keep at it. Um, If you're... If you still have a few years left in high school, see if there's a vocational school that's around you. See if there's some place that you can apply to to go and get the ball rolling on your career. Because um, I mean, anything like that is gonna give you a leg up on getting in with a a good company or with a union to really excel later on down the road.
0: Okay. And would you suggest uh, in retrospect, there you there's obviously residential electricians and commercial electricians correct and we didn't really address the difference between the two um would you suggest that someone head in one direction or or just kind of just start you know putting putting yourself out there and seeing what works for you
1: i see see what you have a better fit for um especially if you're just starting out in the trade i would my suggestion would be don't don't try and pigeonhole yourself into one thing early on do a little bit of do a little bit of bouncing around and I mean that is the nice thing about the trade unions is you are still in the union but you can go from one contractor that's doing residential work to another contractor that's working at a nuclear power plant so but your benefits and stuff are all building in the background um you can do the same thing non-union but Depending upon where you go, what the company is, you could have different benefits at it. Um, one might offer you something that the other one doesn't. Uh, but I would, I would kind of feel the trade out because if you start in residential, like I said, you might you might find oh well I never really want to do industrial work because you know the oil from threading pipe and stuff I don't want to deal with it. And then you actually get onto the job and start threading pipe and realize wow this is actually. This isn't that bad. I, I enjoy doing this.
2: And I, for educational purposes, because whenever you look at job posts uh, and sites out there that have job posts on them, like Indeed or things like that, what they always do is an average earning potential for um, uh, any particular trade. And because the job title doesn't really change from the time that you're an apprentice all the way through until you're one of the most senior guys, that average um, salary ends up being skewed toward the low end uh, on what and so most people think that any tradesperson doesn't make more that's not how you word that but most people don't realize that tradespeople can make more than fifty thousand dollars a year there's a survey done and the majority of people who are not affiliated with trades think that the max the cap on trades careers are somewhere between fifty and fifty five thousand dollars per year um, can you talk about this trade that you're in, and and without telling us what you make, you don't have to tell us that. But just you know, what what is what is a realistic expectation, and what could they strive for, and what is kind of the earning the real earning potential here?
1: Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't really matter if I tell you what I make because it, <laughs> I'm in a union, so it's Davis Bacon wage for what right, I right, want. yeah. Um, but it, again, I, I won't even really touch on it because it's it's different depending upon where you live. Sure, um, but I will say that. I, I've met a lot of I've met a lot of electricians that have boats that have second homes that are doing very well for themselves, that have a retirement account set up. Um, and I've met a lot of people that went to college that have the same. But I've met sure. a lot of people that went to college that are struggling with two degrees that can't get a job that is actually paying them that well. Yeah. Um, and then when the economy bottoms out, houses still break cars still break, buildings still need to be maintained. So those physical Mm -hmm. labor jobs are still there, whereas Mm -hmm. some of the educational jobs aren't there anymore. Um, And we Mm -hmm. saw that a lot in 2008. There was a big, obviously there was a big recession, but um, I think I saw that personally more tradesmen and women got back to work faster than the business professionals did after that. Saw it
2: through the pandemic. And you know, the children of those adults of 2008-2009, their children are now the ones graduating high school or coming up to graduation. Uh, The Gen Zers watched their parents go through that 2008-2009 crisis, and they have been cited as being the most fiscally responsible generation that we've had in the past five. Uh, So that's why you're seeing the decline in um, college um, enrollment and things like that. So there's, I think there's really an opportunity here to bring more people into the trades.
1: And, and part of it is based on what you just said there. Yeah. I mean, we, we need the people in the trades. Um, Mm -hmm. We can, we can pass all the infrastructure bills in the world. Mm -hmm. It won't matter if we don't have the people there to build it. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is, that's the struggle right now is we want to, we want to get off to like, starting at a thousand miles an hour, rebuilding and bringing manufacturing back into the country. We need to get the workers behind that. We, we need to build up our, our HVAC, our electricians, our operators. We, we need to really bring the trades back to this country so that we have the capacity to build things back.
0: Hmm.
1: Preach.
2: That's what we're all about. <laughs> Getting exposure to these careers,
0: no, that's definitely yeah. true and and mm-hmm. also one of the more um, current events that's going on is the artificial intelligence uh, revolution that's happening. and from talking to to many experts, it, it appears that the one advantage of being in the trades is it's it, it, it the this is job security in the midst of what's happening. There will be a lot of journalist jobs. there will be a lot of white collar jobs that are technically, you know, white collar and the old school vernacular that are lost to AI, but AI absolutely is not capable of doing electrical work, of doing HVAC work, of doing marine transportation work. So in the future, these will be the jobs, certainly for the next 100, 200 years that are going to be completely relevant.
1: Yes. When the robots take over, we will still be employed as electricians. (laughs) I yes.
0: <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> It's a simple way to, way to put it in a much more effective <laughs> manner than my rambling. However, I have talked to a few young people that are that have been concerned about the uh, what's happening and 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 how much of an effect AI is going to have in the and the oh, one absolutely. place I that mean, looks you see good it with is, the,
1: with the strikes right now. Um yeah. it's AI is a, it really an unknown variable because right now we don't even know what what jobs AI can do. So in 10 years from now, our concept of AI will change again. And there might be a whole nother swath of people that are losing their jobs because it's not a physical hands-on job and it can be done in the cloud space by AI. Right. I saw a meme the other day. It was like a picture of a half built building. It was
2: obviously a building under construction being built and there's a big sign on it. And it said, Hey, AI, finish this building.
1: Like yeah, there's definitely some holes that I've crawled into, like manholes and stuff like that, where I wish AI could do the job for me. I know. It. <laughs>
0: right,
1: yeah. Sure. Oh,
0: that's funny. All right, brother. Well, listen, the information has been incredibly useful. This has been a great conversation. Do uh, you want to you want to give a shout out to your union or or to your uh, coworker, or to your wife, and your kids, or to anyone else <laughs> that you may want to say hi to? Yeah. Um. I mean, I I'm
1: part of IBW Local 490. Uh, up in New Hampshire. it's it, It's been a great experience going into the union. It's, it's opened doors to me that I otherwise wouldn't have had available. Um, and yeah, without the support of the union, and of course, my wife and kids too, um, I wouldn't be able to do the things that I'm doing right now with my career. So it's, I definitely have all of the admiration and and respect that I could for the IBEW and what it's provided for me.
0: Super cool. That's fantastic. Nicole, anything to add?
2: No, 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 that's great. Uh, We really appreciate you being on here. Um, This is, you know, our, Sort of grassroots initiative to try to get more awareness to trades careers and we can't do it without people like you stepping forward and saying sure I'll talk about my job I'll talk about the what's great about it and you also have to talk about what the what the cons are so people can make an informed decision so I appreciate you so very much for jumping on and if Michelle's still in the room tell her I appreciate her as well for or- orchestrating this and organizing it She's not but she'll see this. So. Okay, great. <laughs> uh so yeah, I I
1: I just genuinely appreciate it. Thanks so much,
0: Nicholas. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much for being here, Mm -hmm. folks. Hakuna Matata. Oh, my gosh. (laughs)